We're back again for the podcast today, and it's time to unmask the man behind the podcast, myself, Christian McKenna. We've got a special guest all the way from England, and he's going to be hosting the show today, and Lewis Aird. Over to you, Lou. It's, it's nice to host a show. Kind of, I'm kind of nervous here. Like, uh, you, know okay, everything, so you know everything about me, so it's like, I don't know what questions are coming <laughs> I've just got to pick your brain and get that stuff out for everyone else. <laughs> Some stuff has to be censored here. That's true, yeah. So how does it feel to be on the other end? Uh, kind of weird. Like it's, it's weird not ha- had to prepare for the like actual thing myself. Mm. I'm usually no, like, got a few days prep for each person, like looking into their history. So I've been a private investigator now today. I'm just like, ah, oh, let's go. Well, hopefully I can live up to the standards that you've done so far, mate. Um, High standards. Big boots to fill. <laughs> well, well, we'll get we'll get cracking on. So, um, I guess first and foremost, give us a bit of a run through of growing up in Scotland and um, specifically what we're interested in with relation to the podcast. What what got you into football, soccer? How did you get into it? What what sort of path did you follow to get into football? So, Scotland's the best country in the world, of course. It's not <laughs> just full of sheep and cows, like you keep telling me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of green, green in there and like a lot of open space, especially where I'm from. Like, you came from like a small village, Milton Campsie, like at the hill, like the bottom of the beautiful Campsie Hills. And that's one of the places like I always love going back to, just especially when you get up to my house and just going over the cattle grid and seeing the hills again. It's amazing. But um, yeah, I grew up like a lot of boys did, like in working class environment. Uh, Mum and dad like, worked all their days just to and gave up so much to give me and my brother and sister a better life, and also give us the chances that we've had. Um, grew up with some great guys like along the way, like from Campsie, like playing from a young age, and then further along, like meeting over into high school, another good few friends in there as well that I played with. Like, so I started off playing football. Obviously, a young age, my dad was uh, actually a professional footballer himself back in the days where they used to just kick lumps out of people. So, oh, give us give, before you keep going. Give us a little shred of what your dad who your dad played for and did he play the same position as you? No, so he was actually the complete opposite to me. So I was a tricky I was a tricky wee winger, a goal scorer. He was a right back, like no nonsense defender. Um, so he's he's the one who would have booted you, basically. Yeah. Well he couldn't catch me by the time I got to seven years old, so it was fine. <laughs> but he used to always tell me he was faster than me and then I was like, all right, man, I'll race you then and he'd see me play and be like, no, you're all right. <laughs> But um, yeah, he played, so he played with Council Black Watch when he was younger as well. Like, um, made his debut for it uh, was actually capped by Scotland at the amateur level there. Um, played junior football, played professionally for Berwick Rangers in the old Scottish First Division, and um, played with East Stirling there as well. And he was actually scouted by Celtic when Billy McNeil was the manager. Uh, Billy McNeil was the captain who won Celtic the European Cup in 1967. Yeah, and they but they unfortunately said he was too small for a right back because my dad's the height of shite, like the same as me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, only, the bigger the harder, the harder they fall. That's what I was always told. So 
Like we've got, yeah. got heart there, and that's he was great with me from a young age. Like spent so much time out helping me practice, improve, like improving on my technique, especially my left foot. Like I was predominantly right-footed when I was a kid, even though I'm a left-hander. Um, and he made me dribbling in and out of the cones with my left foot just to get that working. Every time I touched the ball with my right foot, it was one press-up. So I learned not to dribble with my right foot. <laughs> but yeah, that was great for me. It was a great upbringing. Oh, brilliant. No, that's, uh, it, it's, it's a different perspective to hear from someone when they've got a relative, a direct relative, at least your dad, who... who went through a similar experience to you so sort of knew what to give you yeah, again yeah. My, my dad never played football but he would he did amazing things with me but for you it must have been a whole different experience yeah it was good especially like we come from a football family as well my uncle John he played in um, the English Premier League for Middlesbrough like Barnsley Bradford like he was he was down there and then my cousins have all followed and like our family's footsteps as well. My younger cousin Luke was at Man United. And my cousin Jordan was at Bolton. Like and my cousin Cal was at he was at Motherwell. Like so we come come from a long background of footballers. Yeah, excellent. So give us or give everyone a, a well, let let him tell everyone how you got involved with your boyhood club who of course, again, this year won the, another Scottish... Oh, no, they didn't, did they? <laughs> I knew you were going through that. And... <laughs> no, but... So, give us... Again. the podcast, just... I don't want to be associated <laughs> with that club. <laughs> <laughs> so, just, yeah, tell us how you came to play for your boyhood club and, and give us a, an idea of how you've progressed over the years with them. So, I played in um, younger days for Campsie Boys Club and then played for Campsie Blackwatch, my local team. Banging in the goals, left, right, and centre. Had great players behind me, feeding me like all the time, just knocking the ball in behind for me to go chase. We got like, good strike partners along the years as well. Um, so I was banging in the goals for them, attracted the interest of Celtic. And I was actually, Celtic were interested in me when I was 10. And my dad didn't tell me. He refused to, he, didn't, he said to Celtic, he's not going just now, he's too young, he's not ready. Um, so I didn't know this until later on during the years. And how did you feel like jumping in? How did you feel about that when you found out later on? I understood where he was coming from. Because my dad wanted me to outgrow my team before I moved on to the next level. So like he wanted me to not be able to play with the players anymore. Like like need a new challenge where I was being pushed and pushed instead of being the top guy and a team for the like years to come. So it was good, like, when I when I eventually got to Celtic, it was good. I actually nearly signed for Rangers as well, like, because oh. Celtic were taking so long, like, to sort of thing. So I had interest from uh, down south, like, Newcastle were interested when I was younger. I had Livingston, Motherwell, Harps, Rangers, Celtic, um, and a couple of clubs down south as well. Like, <laughs> clubs interested me. I had my heart set on Celtic. Like, my boyhood club, grew up watching them, my heroes... And that was, it was like it was a home for me. Like to pull on yeah. the green and white hoops, it was phenomenal. Oh, excellent! Well, yeah, I mean, you spent some good years with um, Celtic, and unfortunately, or fortunately, looking back now, I guess even you could say that they let you go because of the, I mean, the amazing life you've you've had up to now. Um, 
how did it feel to I know it sounds like a bit of a cut through a question, but how did it feel to to not so, be with with your, your 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 local team anymore? So it was tough. Like I actually I actually left Celtic. Like so it was coming up to the stage of um whether I was going to stay on at school or not and continue my hires or I was going to go full time. And at that point I went in and spoke to Celtic in the January just before my fifth year of high school. Um so I was what was it, age was I then? Probably like 15, 16, yeah, 16, coming up to 17s. Mm-hmm. And I spoke to Celtic then and I was like, all right, like what's happening? Like any decision, like education's important and I have to be able to commit fully to it. That's one thing my mom always stressed to me and my dad, like education's mm-hmm. first. Like once you've got that, no one can take that away from you. And that always stuck in my head. So yeah. I think a big thing there was obviously... <clears throat> You've got the decision to make. Do I stick in? Do I stay on at Celtic and risk not getting my hires? Or do I leave and continue my hires and get like get something start like st- something behind me that no one can take away and that can open future doors down the line? Because football is a super short career. So I made that decision at the time and I, I said to Celtic, all right, like if there's nothing on the table just now, then I'm gonna have to leave. And Celtic said to me, there might be something further down the line, like in a couple of months, but we've not, we're not making decisions just now on players. So it was it was a tough decision to make. I'd made great friends, great teammates along the way. Like we'd, we'd probably been one of the best Celtic teams in years, like to come through the academy altogether. And things just clicked, but I could feel my progression just halting. And unfortunately, when I was 15, our head of youth, Tommy Burns, passed away. And Tommy was a big fan of the smaller, faster players who could get in behind, take people on, excite them, get, get the fans off their feet. And we had a change in structure and they wanted more bigger, stronger, athletic boys coming in, which didn't suit the style of play we wanted to do. So it was tough that way, but I understood like it was going to affect me down the line and affect my love of the game, which it did. And I'd reached that stage where I was kind of falling away from the game. And I wasn't enjoying it like I did when I was younger. Mm. It's a, it's a very wise. Yeah, you, you obviously had a very wise head at your age because a lot of a lot of kids that age, when they they see the prospect of, of being a full time player at a club, especially a boyhood club, they would have jumped at the chance. So it's it, it's a testament to your upbringing and you as a person to be able to to step back from that and put your education first. Yeah, and a lot of that goes to like the way I grew up as well. Like my big brother and sister, like they're my big brother's fourteen years older than me, and my big sister's eleven years older. So I had to grow up fast as a kid. Like I had that, I still have that childish side to me, but I had my head screwed on from a young age as well. No, it's, it is again a very wise decision, and ultimately it led you uh, to another country. Specifically, the US. I mean, give us a give us a flavour of how that happened. So I was at, after I left Celtic, I decided I wanted to keep playing. So I went back to my local um, boyhood team for um, I went back to them for the last four or five months of the season, like after leaving Celtic, and I was playing with them. Was enjoying it again. Like that was the one thing I wanted to do: rediscover that enjoyment and my love for the game. And during that time, I actually ended up, um, we won the regional cup in Scotland. 
like so far, like Camus Blackwatch, like it was great, like playing my best pals, terrorizing teams, it was great fun. And um I then had to make the decision of all right, what do I want to do here? Like am I going to stay like am I going to stay and play here for another few years or am I going to go and do something else in my time? And I ended up obviously during that regional cup final, like it attracts a lot of scouts' attention. And the Newcastle scout was there again, along with another few people from England. And they ended up, I, I actually scored for the halfway line that game. So the ball got played into me and I just seen the keeper off his line. I just whacked it. And one of my pals that was right next to me, uh, Doc, he was screaming. He was like, pass it. And he just, as soon as he went, pass, I hit it. He turned around and he just looked at it sailing and then the end just went, yeah. <laughs> They're the most satisfying ones when someone's screaming at you. Yeah, it flew right in, hit the standing in. I was like, oh, brilliant. So I ended up um, going down to Newcastle, where I met you down there. Um, yeah. We were down for like three, four weeks, and it was great. Like, it was, it was great experience, but obviously I was brought down towards the end of the pre-season, and you said already your squad set up and everyone was signed. So to bring a boy in from Scotland, to put that investment in someone wasn't going to happen like it was kind of we were letting the merry-go-round unfortunately because yeah. when I was down we played against uh, in Boston United down there Boston the connection there as well going to that um, scary and I, like, I scored and set up two in that game like so it wasn't as if I did anything wrong when I was down there and we were then, always destined to be together McKenna and I just couldn't stay away from you <laughs> <laughs> And then I was also down at Doncaster as well and played in there, went down to Doncaster, mum drove me all the way down, played in the 19s game for them. Uh, no, I played in a reserve game, for, 19s reserve game and we won like 4-0. I scored I, I scored two that game and set up one. Like I was, I was flying, I was flying again, I was loving my football again and that was the main thing. And I was meant to go back down and work with their first team, this was in Doncaster in the English Championship. Yeah, I was meant yeah. to go back down two weeks later and work with their first team. Right before I was meant to go down, Sean O'Driscoll, the manager, got sacked. <sighs> and like, like, like football is all about luck. Like, it's, like, it's yeah. all about having that wee bit of luck. And my luck just wasn't there at that time. <laughs> it ended up going down there. And as soon as things that happened, I was like, all right, I guess I'm not going back. <laughs> so that was tough. But and just went back and played with my. Um, Boyhood club, boyhood team for an hour, a few weeks, and an opportunity presented itself to sign for Airdrie in the Scottish Championship. So went there, was playing nineteens reserves, first team, top scorer in the nineteens, playing with reserves, and then I was on the bench for the first team. It was great. Made my professional debut like um, against my cousin who was playing with Hamilton at the time. Yeah, so, that was interesting. Um, but it was good experience. Played, I got on at East End Park where Dunfermline play. And I could just remember warming up on that field and I was like, Enric Larson's played here. Enric Larson scored like a hat-trick here. <laughs> I was like, and I'm on this pitch. <laughs> Seven fans love comparing everything to Henrik Larson. Yeah. And that was that was great. Like, great experience here. But unfortunately, opportunities were limited to Airdrie. They were fighting a relegation battle at the time and I'll, the manager preferred to go with more experienced players and give the youth a chance, even if we were absolutely killing it at 19s and reserves. Um, so, got a phone call one one day from um, Mr. Brian Ainscough, 
and he spoke to me for half an hour on the phone. I didn't say a word, and I'd never even thought about coming out to America. It hadn't crossed my mind at all. And um, he offered me the chance to come to Northeastern and play there. He one he, he said to me after he spoke and sold sold me on Northeastern. He was like, "Do you have any questions?" The only thing I said was, "It's all paid for." And then as soon as he said, <laughs> I said, "I'll see you soon." <laughs> I mean, even still, to get, I mean, to have everything paid for is a, was an experience we both had, which was incredible. But, I mean, to just up stick and leave, your, I mean, Milton, Campsie and everyone, all your family, all your friends, how, how do you do that? How do you just get up and leave? It was tough. Like, it needed, it was, I, I needed convincing to do it. <laughs> I was comfortable, like, I was... Actually, I like I started uni in Glasgow, like doing my business and marketing course, um, and I was playing. I was I was happy to play, but the opportunity to go to America, my mom said to me, it was like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like you'll never get this chance again. And I ended up, I was like, oh, all right. And luckily, I had family here as well, like my cousin Eugene, his wife, and their daughter. And like they they were great. As soon as I arrived, they just made me feel as though I was at home again. And that was a big thing. Even though my mom and dad came out to visit, it kinda unsettled me again. <laughs> as it as it would, yes. Yeah, so I ended up like coming out and as soon as I landed, Fife was at the airport ready to pick me off. I was like, Oh, this is great here. Like <laughs> <laughs> No, again, it's it, it isn't it isn't an easy decision. Um and looking back at it now, well, looking back at it now, um, does it? Do you, do you ever wonder how you did it still? Because, I mean, I look at my experience and I look back and think, how did I ever have the courage to do something like that? I mean, I guess now that you've lived the life, you've got your CY, but do you, do you ever look back and think, how, how, on earth did I, how on earth did I do that? I think it was easier for me like my brother and sister they went traveling when they were young like when they were my age at the time mm. and like being able to see that like see their like their learning curve, curve along the way and their experiences that they got and like it was something I had to do and I knew Glasgow was a kind of goldfish bowl like you're in it you're doing the same thing all the time you're stuck in that routine and it's mm-hmm. it's taxing at times like it catches up on you but being able to take a step back, go and see a new culture, get a bit of sunshine for once, because, you know, it's never sunny in Scotland. Yeah. Uh, get that and just meet people from all around the world. Like, I had the chance, luckily, when I was at Celtic, I had the chance to travel all around the world, play different tournaments each year, from Qatar to Germany to Belgium, like, playing against some great players and, like, seeing some amazing things. Like, we played in the Qatari National Stadium, which is going to host games at the World Cup. Like, I was 14 at the time. Yeah. Like, being able to grow from there and look back and be like, all right, like, I took the jump, but life's all a risk. You have to take them. You're absolutely right. Um, so you arrived, obviously, in Boston. You fully immersed yourself into the to the whole student, well, student-athlete life. Um, give us a, a couple of tips, really, on how you, from your experience anyway, how you balanced the student part and the athlete part because obviously back home the two are very separate so how did how did you what did you do give us a few tips on how you how you managed to to balance it 
So I was lucky enough that during my time at Celtic, we actually started the first ever schools project where we would train before school. Then we would go to class, then straight from class, we would go to the training ground. So I was kind of in that routine and that mindset already. So I'd been like, it was, it was a simple transition. Oh, well, not simple because the American system's a lot different on the education side in the US and uh, like looking back and I see like my grades that first semester compared to what they were like for like the yeah. year nine I was like I adapted at that point but I didn't yeah. feel it in my head I felt as though I was just like all right I'm here to play football I'm here to get my degree but I also need to enjoy myself as well yeah no excellent I mean it, it, it is a fine balance um, you obviously found that balance really well um Give, what what did you think of the Northeastern Soccer Programme and again the athlete, the athletic department as a whole? At first when I arrived, I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like all the facilities, like everything around. Like I was used to playing in a public park. Like I was happy yeah. if, it, if the if the park didn't have dog shit on it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that's how much a benefit like. So like it was it was definitely different. And I like I adapted and it was like as soon as I arrived, it was an eye opener as well. Like it was different culture. The first day I arrived and I actually ended up going to practice for a bit. It was funny running around the field and everyone's like coming over so nice to chat to me. But I didn't in my head think, Oh, they don't have a clue what I'm going to say here. Like so they won't understand my accent. So I was just talking like I would back home, like I would with you. Yeah. And then as soon as I started talking, I just see their faces just drop. The guys like Greeny and uh, Derek, like Jorge, like Boulder. Like Boulder didn't know what I said for the first four years and I still don't think he does. So well, was... I, I, I had trouble, so I can't even imagine what it was like for you. <laughs> so it was like they were just nodding their head and saying yeah. And yeah, mm-hmm. even Coxie was struggling, like just being from London. <laughs> Another Englishman was struggling. Yeah, so it was like it was, it was different, but... Like it was great, like great meeting all the boys at the first time, and Dante Marini was fan, like fantastic with me. Like my locker was right next to Dante's, and Dante was always like, "Everything okay? Like anything you need? Like looking out for you?" And that, like, that's something I appreciated in my freshman year. No, it's it, it, you are again. It, it is it is difficult mixing into this um, community of people, um, especially from the outside, but. You did it pretty naturally. You you made some great friends, and you 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 played a lot of games for Northeastern, and it even got to the point where, and I'd love you to run a, run you run everyone through how you came to this. Is you ended up going having the opportunity to go to Australia, playing. I'm not for, sure if I can tell that NCAA might be listening. <laughs> <laughs> which again, was just another opportunity to go to a, an incredible country. Yeah, that was like, so I loved playing at Northeastern, like, I thought it was a great experience, just wasn't what I needed for my football side of things, like, mm-hmm. as much as the boys were great, the standard wasn't that great, like, just be, coming from that top tier mentality back in Scotland, everyone was more switched on back home, like, they could see things before they were happening, whereas when you came over here, it was more about the athleticism side of things, and players would take too long to pass the ball. And if you take too long in a game like soccer, like you're you're losing that opportunity straight away. And I used to get so frustrated with it. My dad would be 
texting me after the game like they should have passed you the ball here 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 and I'd be like yeah I know like it's just it was frustrating coming and seeing like how the other side of the game was like I was used to a team who was dominating possession not really caring about the opposition letting them care about us and going at them so you come to Northeastern where you were sitting in and I'm like all right why are we doing this like we've got great players here guys like Terns, Coxie, yourself, like Ambry, Dante like we had some great players and just didn't take advantage of it. So how how did you adapt your style to that did you adapt your style at all did you did you stick to what you were good at and what you, you knew or did you adapt? I became more def- like I was better on the defensive end like here like that's something I had to adapt to but by the time I was getting the ball we were in our own half and I'm having to go from our half to their half in order to try and score so we were, in, we were never going to score that many goals like with the way we were playing so that was kind of frustrating there but like looking back on it and I always think to myself like you know what the, like what it's like in America that it's all about stats 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 and I look back and like I played for like I started 40 games like, I scored seven goals and I had three assists during my time, like, there. Like, for a midfielder, which I was, basic, which I was like, during my time at Northeastern, that was a goal or assist every, like, five, like, five, six starts or a goal or a goal or assist every four starts. Like, it was, mm-hmm. like, looking back on it and I'm like, that's good numbers for a midfielder. Like, mm-hmm. whereas at the end of my playing time at Northeastern, I was thinking to myself, I've not done myself justice here. Like, I could have done so much more. Well, that to be honest, that was that was where I was going to move next. Is to be honest, obviously, senior day came around. And it comes around obviously a lot quicker than anyone ever imagines. When you look back, or on that day, when you looked back at your four years, I mean, what did what what did you think? What was your honest opinion of of how not 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 the student part or not the the fun part of it, just purely as the athlete? What what is that? Purely as an athlete, I thought my body was destroyed. Like, I had to have a hip operation after freshman year. Like, I had to have a thumb operation going into senior year. Like, my body was just ruined. Like, 19 games in the space of two and a half months, it's not, that's not good for you. Like, when you're used to playing seasons over the course of an actual season, like, it's, that makes more sense. But body was just ruined and thought to myself, all right, like, it's time to make another move and see where else my football inside can take me, see how my body can handle it again and try and play with a better standard. Like that was the big thing. Like I wanted to find players who were kind of more on the same wavelength again. Like obviously I had, there were certain ones in the team who had it, but in order to keep things ticking, you need the majority of the team had, had it and we didn't have that. Yeah. So, and... No, go on, continue. So I ended up, like, that's that was one of my main reasons for looking out to go to Australia. Like, I had, so after the senior season, like, it was, it was gut-wrenching, like, when the season ended, and you, like, you saw me, like, out in the, like, out in the park after the game. Like, I was just sitting there in the middle of the park, and I was, I was drained. Like, it, it comes by, it just comes by, like, so much quicker than you, you, you even think. Yeah, college soccer took it out of me, and I knew it, and I felt it. And I was just, mm-hmm. that was it. And it was over like that. And after that, I didn't know what to do with myself for the last, like, 
six weeks that I had still had classes. I was like, all right, like I've got all this time. I went in and spoke to, like I was still going to the athletic training room just to annoy the trainers because I was bored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Like, what? What? Yeah, no, you, you had to deal with me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was just um, went up and I saw Regina as well. I was speaking to Regina. I was like, Regina, what do I do in my time? Like she was like, uh, she was like, just have to find more hobbies and stuff. So I started looking at different options and seeing. Obviously, I still had a year left of education, like being like in Northeastern being like four and a half, five year school. So I had a year left of that, looked into it and I was like, you know what? I'm on a full scholarship here. Why not do a study abroad? Mm-hmm. And then that's where Australia popped up. I was going over there on a study abroad at the time. And like, luckily, um, one of the boys out in the team that I was going to, uh, out in Melbourne at the time, the team I ended up at, he was the striker for Harvard during our time and Harry Schwartz put us in touch and ended up um, getting a deal out there to go and play while I was studying there. So that was that was great. Like, flew out to Oz. I was like, ah, oh, sunshine, enjoy it. And I had family out there as well that I hadn't saw in years. So I had a chance to see them. Have you just got family everywhere? Yeah, I just go, I just go where I can get a piece. <laughs> <laughs> get a piece of empty store. Oh. That's what my granny used to tell me. So I mean, I mean, just in such a short space of time, you've you've experienced obviously your own culture, the US culture, the Australian culture. How now? Or what, okay. what have you? <laughs> what have you? What have you taken from each of those experiences in those three different countries? And is there any that you 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 take and that you use in your everyday life now? I think, like, obviously, the biggest thing from being where I'm from back home is staying grounded. Like you have to you have to remember where you come from. Don't ever forget that. And especially for a guy like me with the upbringing I had, like the work that my mom and dad and every other member of my family put in and seeing all my friends and like in Scotland you can either go one path or another. You can go down a good path or you can go down a bad path. And luckily I was in the good path with a lot of my friends. So just remembering where you come from, that's the first thing I always keep in my mind when intertwining different cultures. The US side of things has helped in, in terms of my work rate. Like I'm always tuned in, I'm always ahead of things, planning, making sure I'm prepared for anything that could come up. And then the Australian side of things is just being able to enjoy yourself as well. Like they work all week, but they make sure to make time for themselves. Like come Friday, it's like, all right, we get our work done by Friday so that it's clear. And then it means they can enjoy like their weekend and have have a work-life balance. That's the biggest the biggest thing and taking the next career step. Like if you don't have that, you're just running yourself in the ground. I think that last one's really, really potent, especially um especially now when or when things obviously COVID's hit and when things open up again, people need that release after work and people work hard and people have been working hard throughout lockdown but they've not had that release um so i think that's a really good one um so obviously after all of that you graduated um how did it feel how did it feel to graduate with a a university university degree from a a top university it was amazing like i didn't really realize like how good a university northeastern was until i got here like i landed here and i was like oh we're good. Like it's, I'm in Boston, nice city. 
And then people were like, yeah, you're at top 50 university in the US. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, how did I land on my feet here? Yeah. And it was, it was great. Like, as soon as I reached that milestone of graduating, and also it's such a big deal here, but back home, like, they don't, like, they don't really celebrate it as much as they do here. So it was good to experience that side of things with all my friends as well and having that chance to be like, all right, we've done it was was phenomenal. Mum and dad came out for the ceremony as well in TD Garden. And like being, a, being a arena like that where the Boston Celtics and the Bruins play and having my graduation there, I was like, oh, this is phenomenal. <laughs> No, yeah, the celebrations after were good fun as well. <laughs> well, that's always an added bonus, isn't it? End up uh, with some bread on my head at three a.m. in the morning. Wake up with another one. I was like, "How did I get two sombreros here?" <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, before I move on to the last couple of things I was going to run through, give us give us a run through of some wild, a wild nights and some 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 memories that stick in your head that you'll never forget. Some wild nights. Just some oh. some examples of stuff that you'll never forget as long as you as long as you. I'll live. never I'll never forget never forgive Sam Marley for uh, dragging me through Mission Hill freshman year looking for parties and just refusing <laughs> to go to Boston. I'm like, is there anywhere we're going here? He's like, ah, yeah, I think there's one here, and he just we just be knocking on random doors. Like, you get mm-hmm. a party in. <laughs> um, other ones probably. When we, one of the times we actually get to the frat parties and uh, every guy that came through the door that we were standing at, we started charging them $5 to, for entry. No, really? <laughs> we were like, yeah, five bucks to get in. How much did you make? Who, who do you know? Right? We must have made about 60, 70 bucks. But we gave it to, like, we gave it to, we well, split it for the next booze kitty. That was good fun. Um, a few other wild ones. My twenty first birthday when I lost my phone. That was a good one. Like, yeah, <laughs> coming back from Brahman, like where we used to end up at, uh, and we're at the reflection pool at the Christian Science Center. And Marley's like, "All right, let's race." So I was like, "All right, sure." So I knew I was going to kick their ass. So I started. I'd, I had it on Snapchat, and yeah. I, was, I was running along, running along, and then that is the last memory I have of having my phone in my hand. And uh, I must have sent a snap to a few people like that one. And in my celebrations, I've launched my phone in the reflection pool, but I didn't notice. Uh-huh. And <laughs> so I woke up the next morning in the, in the apartment. I was like, have you seen my phone? I was like, no. So we tipped the apartment upside down. Uh-huh. And then and then we get a te- and then we get a message from like, I think it was like some dead sent a snap to and they were like, yeah, like Christian's phone, I think he's threw it away. <laughs> so I was like, I was trying to retrace my steps. I was like, right, you're in that reflection pool, but I never ever went and checked. I couldn't bring myself to deal with that. Twenty <laughs> first birthday. Um, other ones, just the good times we had, like obviously in that apartment, some funny stuff going on from. Well, collecting your collection of cones. Yeah, from the cake in the face to the cones to the bike. <laughs> <laughs> the kick in the face, yes, I remember. <laughs> Just waiting, uh, you come in the door, and you're like, "Why are you filming me?" Do straight in the face. <laughs> I've still got that video somewhere as well. Yeah, just we had good times, like, and um, 
Australia party for Mustel leaving. Mm-hmm. Like, and the cops banging on the door, and there must have been about 40 of us in one apartment, and we just all, must have been about three feet of snow outside, and all of us down the fire escape and running through the alleyways, hiding. That <laughs> like, was good fun. And um, yeah, just a lot of good times. Like in Northeastern, a lot of good people. That's the one thing I can say about the place. You were, yeah, you'll certainly take that away and, and never forget. So, I mean, Obviously, we could touch on the, the podcast, the, the last thing, but one more thing before that. What what what, what does post-graduation life hold for Mr. McKenna? What have you been up to, sir? That'll be Master of Science, Christian McKenna, soon I'll have you. Master of Science. <laughs> you apologize. Yes, it's... Uh, I mean, I just to interject, I mean, did you ever think you would be a master? No, apart from when I was a kid, when I used to come through Master Christian McKenna on the mail. <laughs> <laughs> I was that. I'll give you that was a good one, yeah. Um, no, I'd never actually thought of it. Like, I was... So, after graduation from undergrad, I had... I didn't know what I was going to do. Like, I was kind of... I wanted to stay in the US, but I didn't know what. And luckily, I had that year of OPT where I could work visa-free for the year. Um, and I was just trying to figure out my plan. And I'm in, so, like, athletic director at the time, Peter Roby. I asked him, I was like, do you have any contacts you could put me in touch with, like a sports co- company here that would be willing to sponsor? Unfortunately, it's, it was more difficult than I thought. And I ended up, he put me in touch with a few other guys who had been at the Master of Sports Leadership Program at Northeastern. And he actually put me in touch with the lead professor there, um, Dr. Pryor. So I sat in with Dr. Pryor and I was chatting to him. He was a big football guy as well. So like chatting to him for about half an hour, like just about football. And he was like, Christian, I've got a class tonight. You want to come along? I was like, yeah, sure. So I went along the class. Who's in the class? Ambry. I was like, oh, this, this must be easy then. <laughs> so just sat in the class and just listened to them all and what they were doing. I was like, this is for me. But then I had to think of, how am I going to pay for this? That was the next yeah. question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I wanted to do it myself. Mom and dad have been great for me over the years, supporting me. Like, my big brother and sister as well. And that's one thing I will always appreciate from them. But I wanted to do this myself. And in order to do that, I had to raise the money. So, yeah. use that year of OPT or just applying for every job under the sun. Didn't care what it was. I could have been scrubbing somebody's shoes. As long as it got me the money in my bank, that was all I cared about. Yeah. Uh, got offered a job at a biotech. Who'd have thought that? Uh, <laughs> the Ministry of Operations Assistant at the time. So I was uh-huh. just doing general office work, like, you know, the shebang just to get some money under my belt. But I was taking on extra projects during that time. Ended up after three months, I got promoted to the facilities uh, coordinator for the um, biotech. So I was in charge of all the scheduling for the big minus 80 freezers all that kind of stuff, anything that went wrong, it was me they came to, so it was it was good good experience, good responsibility at the time, but uh-huh. it was never an industry I wanted to stay in. So got accepted to the Master of Sports Leadership Programme at Northeastern, had the money behind me now, I was like, oh, this is great. Um, I knew it was going to be a certain amount and I'd have to find a job when I was here like to, ke- to keep that going, like just obviously the cost of living in Boston. And luckily, I was, my cousin was good enough to let me stay at his. I bet he's wishing he never did that now because he can't get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but yeah, it was good. Got that there, and then I got a phone call one day from Regina, uh, Deputy Athletic Director at Northeastern, and she was like, "Yeah, Christian, there's a grad assistant post coming up at Northeastern in the Business and Finance Department, Athletics. We want you to take it." And I was like, "Oh, okay." So I went in and met with Dan Brem. Dan spoke to me, and great guy, and he offered me a position there and then. So that helped a lot, like paying for the course, like um, obviously money coming in now, so I didn't have to worry about finding a job. So that was great there, and I've been started there in September 2019, and I've been working as a business finance and marketing assistant. I've been taking on all sorts of things, and it's been great experience running different games as well. I never thought I'd, I'd be running women's hockey, like, but here they are now in National Championship Final Four, the McKenna You're Touch. Right. <laughs> You're a man with many hats. Yeah, so it's it's been great experience there and Northeastern have been fabulous for me. Like it's it's seven years now coming up to eight, like since I left home. You can they've looked after me ever since I ever since I got here. So can't I don't have a bad word to say about the place apart from they should give their athletics department more money. <laughs> no, it's been a big chunk of your life and um yeah, it has been home for for seven years now and that's uh, I'm not going to say it's coming to a close soon but that chapter is coming to an end soon um, yeah so just the next memory. stage is just trying to find another job that's the thing I yes know it's a tough time in COVID just now but I've got that experience behind me my resume is packed now so it's just about someone like like I said in sports having that bit of luck someone taking that chance on you and that's mm -hmm. just what I'm waiting for now and Put my resume out there, getting the experience, and hopefully someone does take the chance. And you've done everything you can. You've 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 worked extremely hard in school. You've got all of the the athlete parts to back it. But and one other thing to add to your resume, and just a final thought, really, is uh, this podcast itself. How, how did that come about? So I was thinking to myself, like I had the plan for ages. I was like, you know what? After you graduate. No one cares about you. Like, I saw all these guys, like, everyone, like, obviously, we're good friends with all the different teams at Northeastern. But after they leave, you never hear about them again. Like, no mm -hmm. one ever speaks about them. And I wanted to give the student athletes that chance to tell their story. Like, obviously, you can only say so much when you are a student athlete, like, but before you get into trouble for it. Like, I found out when I criticized the pitch on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just giving that people that chance to tell the, their own their own story. Like you can give them that platform to share and see what they're up to now. And a lot of people are up to some great things, like exciting things, whether it's playing professionally or obviously working on a certain industry or even a, a hobby that they've turned into a project. Mm -hmm. Like that's that was one of the biggest things for me, just giving people that platform to share what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's it's been great to hear about about you, the man behind the mask, because you've you've been the the gracious host for <laughs> all these episodes. Final question is is why the US? What I mean, why 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 do you want to stay in the US? Why did you not want to go home? Oh well, I guess America is your home, but why didn't you want to go back to to Scotland? What was it about America? Like, as much as it's, like, everyone says, land of the free, home of the brave, blah, 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 like, and it's, like, you don't, as much as I don't believe in that kind of side of things, 
it is an endless world of opportunity out here. Like there's so much more room for development and personal growth than there is if I was back home. Like sure I could get a 95 job back home that I was doing, but I wanted to do something I loved and sports sports is something I love. And having having a chance to do it will only begin by doing it here or somewhere where they actually invest as much time in their sports and as much interest in it. Mm-hmm. And it's like there is like this is a this is a place if you want to grow, then this is the place to do it. Like it might you might be working and working and working, but there's also the social aspect of things as well. And you're developing not only as a, in your career but as a person at the same time. Mm-hmm. Well, amazing advice to end. I've, I've got to say, I did say final question or final thoughts a few times, but I was just really want. I was really enjoying the conversation, and it was really good to 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 be to have you on the other side and, and for everyone to hear your story. So thank you very much. Ah, uh, it's been weird, like being on the other side of things. I feel as though I've been talking shit for about half an hour, but <laughs> <laughs> no, you haven't. Yes, any any. Well, yeah, it's it's been it's been a lot of fun and. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's nice to have you on the other side of it and for people to hear your story at least because uh, you've got a very interesting story to tell. Yeah, this will, this will be a nice end to the podcast. Like, um, We're going to take a, a new turn on the podcast in the next few weeks, so everyone should be staying tuned to that. Like, We've got a nice a nice little twist in things. Ooh, ooh. So yeah. on that note, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for thanks for taking the time to interview me. Yes, and thank you for for uh, telling all. Uh, maybe not all. <laughs> <laughs> well, we would need a very long podcast if you oh, want. Yeah, to. That, that would clear a few hours. <laughs> I was. <laughs>